Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like you're muted, oh, James. Sorry yeah, about go. that. Hello. That, this is a great start. <laughs> I tell you, a, a, amateur hour. End of leaves, and uh, I haven't done this for a few weeks, and it turns into a complete train wreck. So, hello, Alan. How are you? <laughs> I'm probably better than you at this particular yeah, moment in time. <laughs> apparently, I get all flustered. You know, it's it's just uh, out, outside of my comfort zone. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so th thanks everyone that's joined us live. Uh, we are broadcasting live today. Enda is in the midst of logistics of getting himself to Glasgow for the game on the weekend. Well, well he's, he's sorry, James. He's just tweeted a picture of himself from within what I presume is the home dressing room at Celtic Park. He's obviously oh. done, done the tour, so uh, flaunting, yeah. flaunting, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Takes day, takes a few days to get over to. Glasgow, I think. <laughs> yes, well, and thank you, Gr, for commenting that I'm an idiot. Uh, he didn't say that, or she didn't say that. Just said that I'm muted. So thank you for the the assistance in production. I need all the help I can get. Uh, happy uh, St. Patrick's Day to everybody who's uh, celebrating. I have my Irish stout with me right here, oh, wow. uh, even though it's early. <laughs> um, for those who are not aware, there's on occasion when St. Patrick's Day lands on a Thursday or uh, particularly a Friday. Uh, in the in the U.S., that is the particularly this time of year. It can be the opening weekend or week of March Madness, which is the college basketball tournament, which is a kind of cultural phenomena. Um, so this happens to be one of those years you get a full day of uh, games from noon until about one a.m. Um, and there's it's a sixty four team tournament. So there's uh, 16 games on Friday, Thursday, and 16 games on Friday. So when you include um, uh, St. Patrick's Day on one of those two opening days. It's just, a, it's like Christmas and your birthday on the same day or Christmas and New Year on the same day. It's, it's, it's wonderful. So the, you, you didn't know anything about this, did you, Alan? I, I did actually. I, I, oh, I, did? Used okay. to, I used to live in the States. So I did, I did, it's great. Actually, college basketball is much better than the professional rubbish, to be fair. <laughs> well, and if, if for anyone who's a, a, a degenerate like I am, uh, one, one of the best times of the year to be in Las Vegas 
is if you get this. So you can go to Las Vegas, and if it's St. Patrick's Day on a Thursday or Friday for uh, March Madness, it's it's a terrific time to be in Las Vegas. So for fellow degenerates, you can put that into your your calendar for uh, future future fun. Um, well, let's get to the stuff. Uh, the, the reason why, uh, other than my uh, completely unwitty banter, um, as far as reviewing the game from uh, Monday, Dundee United in the Cup. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of other things from a from a player perspective, and then do a little bit of a Ross County. Um, preview before we, we wrap this up. Try to keep it tight this week. Um, so, Alan, let's just start off with your general thoughts from, from the game on Monday. Yeah, really happy with it, to be honest. Uh, you know, the main takeaway, apart from obviously you know, winning, it's a cup tie. You could see from the way that Dundee United, uh, it's, it's all happening today, isn't it? We could see from the way that Dundee United set out that they were, you know, very much up for it. They'd, they'd gone with a three at the back, which again is something that Celtic have struggled a little bit with in certain games. So, and and you can see from the intensity that they played that they they were they were well up for this. It was their one chance of a trophy this season, you know. And, and I think in commentary on on Premier, they said, you know, if 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 they finish top six and get into the semi-finals of a cup, that's probably a pretty good season for for Dundee United and for Town Court. So they they were giving it everything. So and and then you know the, we talk about the pitch. It's, it's not a an excuse, but it it has a massive it has a massive bearing on the game when it is that poor. And, 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 and we can talk about that because it actually did change one of the things that we can maybe pick up on is the extent to which again Celtic adjusted or Postacoglu adjusted the approach slightly, um, went a little bit more direct um to counteract the, the, the bobble nearness of the and the bumpiness of the pitch. And it's just another little indication that this isn't a manager that's wedded into just one way of playing at all costs. You know, he has got some flexibility in his approach. So I was pleased about that. Um, very pleased about the lack of goal threat from them. Uh, three shots on goal. None of them really troubled Joe Hart. Um, that was all good. And uh, yeah, and the chance to give little Dembele a run around at the end. McCarthy came on, did a, did a good shift. Um, the sub, you know, everyone, everyone kind of got on. Even Mikey Johnson came on and, uh, and managed to last the full fifteen minutes, which is which is good. Uh, so yeah, lots to be lots to be positive about, really. So yeah, that would that would be a, you know happy game, really. Yeah, I, I found it an interesting game. Um, I'm probably not quite as um, optimistic on it. I shouldn't say optimistic, but my my, um, my conclusion from it is probably not as as favorable as yours. I guess maybe a better way to characterize it. But I, th- I think a lot of that had to do with. Uh, the conditions to your point i mean it, it did seem just i mean i for, just from a um for, for me from a viewing perspective i found it to be rather brutal um the, it was so sloppy and uh and it was one of those games where i, I couldn't get away from thinking man if they were any good they would carve us open potentially right okay <laughs> um so you know it's one of those things where they they would get possession and you could see space kind of in a lot of different areas and they're just not good enough to capitalize on it. So to me, it's one of those like, okay, if that was Bodo Klimt, we'd have been in trouble. <laughs> um, so I think it was, for me, it was more so one of those games with the, with the, uh, the, the, the one characterization that I think the part of that, at least, and maybe even a, an appreciable part of it was because of how messy it was. And, you know, the ball bobbling around, like 
you know, they were playing on gravel or something. I mean, it was it was pretty yeah. absurd. The, the, their style wasn't going to make for a good game, though, was it? No. I mean, they, no. they, they, they pressed up reasonably high. They tried to press quite aggressively when they could, which which can lead to quite a bitty, scrappy game. And also, if you put players under pressure on a pitch of that nature, you're going to create more. It's going to be throw-ins and free kicks and all that sort of thing. And then when they did get the ball, they were going long straight away. Yeah. Two players up front, and they were just testing. Obviously, the perceived weakness in Celtic's bat line is relatively short, and so they were just chucking long balls up. And again, that doesn't make for for great viewing. So I, I, I agree um, that they, but they, but they really made nothing of that. They had an approach. They had a clear strategy for the game, but then they executed it really badly in terms of when they had the ball. Um, but but they were they were in the game and competitive enough that they were quite effective at stopping Celtic and you couldn't play that passing game because, partly because of the conditions as well. So I agree, not great spectacle, but on the other hand, um, we didn't let them, we didn't let them upset our, our rhythm. Uh, one, one of the, one of the, one of the, um, and again, this could be down to a little bit of positive variance. I mean, both opening goals were down to positive variance. I mean, how many goalkeeping howlers have we benefited from this season? Not many. Right. How many collected goals have we had this season? Not many. And to get and, and the, the beauty of both those goals was they happened at a time when they were having a good spell. They didn't have many good spells and they weren't very good spells, but they, they'd had a solid opening 10 minutes and then we scored from our first attack. And then they came out in the second half and they up they moved they moved the whole their whole team moved forward at least 10 yards when they started the second half. And they pushed Celtic back to some extent and had a reasonable spell and then we scored. And that's that's that absolutely killed them. Scoring at those two times when we did two slightly fortunate goals as well, and as I say, what did I say at New Year? What, what needs to happen in the second half of the season? We need to get some positive variance going our way. The injuries are clearing up. The positive variance seems to be going more in our direction. So that's all good. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it was. Um, it's it's great when you get clusters of those. It turns uh, turns it into a three 0 game when it you know probably was was maybe not quite that level uh, in, in, the, in the level of play, which again, the caveat that the pitch was probably an equalizer to a, a degree. So just to, again, to set the table a little bit here, I mean, it was yet another iteration. I'm not sure we've seen this starting lineup, particularly um, with the fullbacks combined with the front three. I think yet another uh, version of, of starting 11 with uh, Maeda out left, Jackamakis in in the nine and um, Forrest in uh, at right wing, and then you had uh, 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 Juranovic and Taylor as your fullbacks. Every, you know the other positions were pretty much um, what we might expect. Uh, so, what what was your uh, take as far as relative uh, performers uh, who stood out to you from a positive perspective, who maybe didn't uh, shed the most shiny light on their on their uh because it we're, we're to your point we're getting people back now hopefully Kyogo's back soon Turnbull seems to be back to a degree so you know maybe after the international break here we might have even more depth uh so also people may be fighting for positions um so how, how, what was your view on that yeah so listen I think somebody and again I can't remember apologies on Twitter made the great point that you know Celtics four top scorers <laughs> Uh, and and actually not not just top scorers, but if you add in the assists that those four players, Turnbull, Yota, Abad, and Kyogo, have contributed, goals and assists that you know probably our four top um, scoring contributors were all missing. So that's that's 
to go, you know, to go away in a tricky cup tie and win three 0 I think got to got to accept that as part of the context for it. Um, I tend to look at it. So half time, I'd noted McGregor and Carter Vickers as being standouts for me, and with O'Reilly, I'd put quietly effective, and we'll maybe pick up on that later. And then at the end of the game, the names that I noted were Taylor, actually, McGregor, O'Reilly, Carter Vickers. Um, but I actually gave my boy of the match to Giacomakis. So again, we'll maybe we'll maybe do a deeper dive on him later. But I, I thought he was I thought he had a, a terrific game in terms of uh his his special skills. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's I like that characterization. That's good. Uh yeah, <laughs> generally i thought um i thought mcgregor in particular this was one of those games where he just uh, was orchestrating and you know what was uh when they didn't have their opportunities to um uh, kind of counter and and capitalize on some of the space that we you know can leave in in uh transition i thought mcgregor was excellent in snuffing that out and um uh really protecting the uh, the back four so um yeah, what well, that anyone uh, maybe hurt their uh, can- uh, candidacy, so to speak? So those that didn't, oh, Maeda, <laughs> Maeda had a, a, a pretty desperate game. Actually, I think he, I think he was something like. Um, let me get, well, get this right. Actually, he he completed six passes and he gave away the ball ten times. I mean, that's pretty grim <laughs> for anybody. And he does get this now for me, right? He does get an assist. For the second goal, because I use the old fantasy football assist logic, which is if you if you have a shot or 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 a cross even, and the ball comes off the goalkeeper, and then somebody puts it in, if it's off the keeper, you still get the assist, which is as I say the old fantasy the original fantasy football rules. So I still use those in awarding assists. So he actually gets an assist for that cross that Seagrist uh, fumbled for Jackamacus to score. But apart from that, he had a pretty uh, pretty poor game. Um, I think you know Forrest was okay, but uh, I think okay is probably quite good for him. Hatati struggled a bit again. Um, just a real mixed bag with him. You get you get a real mix of stuff with Hatati, but he didn't create any chances. Um, you didn't have he had one one shot. Um, he he didn't actually win possession back once. He only completed eighteen passes. Uh, so yeah, he, he was pretty, and he got hooked at halftime. So yeah, he was pretty, pretty average, I would say. So yeah, the interesting that you know the two of the Japanese guys that played, and again, you know they're just in the door. We've got to give them time to settle. They're not going to be great every week. They've, they've had good moment, lots of good moments, both of them in Celtic shirts. So I wouldn't be worried about them, but but um, they're probably not used to playing on pitches like that. To be honest, I'm sure in Japan the facilities are probably a lot better in terms of the. The pitches, so uh, probably a bit of a, a bit of a difficult game for them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say uh, there's a lot of very interesting topics that we're, we're likely to delve into in the coming weeks relative to, um, you know, Maeda, uh, Kyogo, uh, Jota, Abada. There, you know, there's a lot there as far as who's going to play where and uh, rotations, uh, particularly with um you know the fixture demands kind of thinning out a little bit here hmm. um rotation probably being less of an issue than it had been uh, potentially so so do you think james do you think we'll see horses for courses or do you think it'll be he'll pick his best 11 if they're fit they'll play 
Yeah, I, I, I suspect it'll be the latter. I think um I, I think it'll my guess is it'll be when he's when he's back, it'll be Kyogo in the middle, my eight out left or some you know, nominally that'll be the way they line up, but I think I, I suspect it'll be a dynamic front three with interchanging. I mean, that that's I, I, I suspect that's where we're heading eventually as this project continues to um, progress. So, uh, so, so just to be clear on that, so in my mind, what I th- understood by that is you could have a, a front three, for example, of Abada, Kyogo, Maeda, and nominally they could actually line up in any of the three positions. I think that's and and I my guess is Jota will be uh, the starter in the in the in the three, but then. Again, that, the nice part about that is you have the depth, um, and you know there could be some situational aspects to that relative to, like for example, you know you'd probably prefer Jota against a a bunkered uh, opponent, um, somebody that's a little bit more open. You could make an argument of even Jota Nevada over by. I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios that if if you were going to try and um, more optimized personnel and uh, relative to tactics and the opponent. But that's part of why I think it's going to be so fascinating from a, from a nerd perspective analytically, which is there's going to be a lot more uh, potential for playing chess. Mm. Um, You know, we've, we've been uh, constricted because of all of the different issues that we've experienced this season, whether it's onboarding players, learning a new uh, style of play, um, the injuries, the lack of depth, all these different things that have, you know, handcuffed um, uh, the team and, and Ange and the management team uh, uh, to such an extent. So, yeah, I, I, that to me is going to be really interesting. Um, so right now it's all about speculating and, you know, predicting maybe and having fun of discussing what might happen. Um, but I think it's going to be just as interesting to kind of deduce and analyze when when he does make the decisions hmm. and try to try and figure out what the mindset is and is he going to prioritize kind of best 11 and just go at him which you know kind of we've talked about that would be what you would think on brand but he's i don't think he's that uh puritanical and we've talked about that where he hmm. seems to be a little bit you know n- not quite as uh uh puritanical relative to the brand um so we'll see we'll see i think it'll be <laughs> fun so I, I'd slightly disagree. I think based on the evidence for the last few weeks, I think he's going to pick, rotate the squad according to what he perceives as the strengths and weaknesses of the opposition, which I kind of like. Um, it, it, that approach can go wrong because sometimes you can take someone out who's actually playing really well because you can start overthinking things sometimes. Um, so I don't Mind you, Ange doesn't strike me as an overthinker, so hopefully that won't be a problem. If it was me in charge, then it would be. But uh, you know, he would get tie myself in knots to out, out think myself in terms of what the optimal formation would be. But he seems somebody who's very clear about what he wants. So, but I think we'll see. I think we'll see rotation. And um, I was just picking up on a comment George Barr made there in the comments about Hatati. So Hatati was making forty-yard passes and scoring for fun. Now looks lost. Something's wrong. See, I'd fundamentally disagree with that, George. And the reason I say that is because. What you didn't notice when he was making 40-yard passes and scoring for fun was that that, um, he was also giving the ball away a lot and taking some long shots that were nowhere near the goal. And when those long shots stop going in, which they inevitably do because there's very low probability, when those 40-yard passes aren't completed because you're playing on a a, a rutted field like at Dundee United, then suddenly the fact that he 
is a lot of his passing is a bit scatty, and the fact that you know perhaps he's he's still get adjusting to the pace of the game it starts to become more noticeable. Uh, you know, James and I were talking about this before the show that actually Hatati's numbers were never that impressive. It's just that he had these moments that were special, like the goal against Hearts, the goals obviously in the derby that made everyone stand up and take notice. But actually, his underlying data has never been that impressive yet. But the what I will caveat that by saying is what I said to James. He's got, he looks like he's got all the tools to be a really good all-round midfielder, but he's very young, he's very inexperienced, and he's just getting up to pace with the game. So I think we need to be patient with him. And it was great to see Turnbull back in training today because I think when Turnbull's back, Hatati uh, can, can breathe a little bit more and be used in a way that helps him develop rather than be relied upon in certain big games. I think that will give, give us yet more flexibility in that key midfield area. I agree. I'll just say ditto. I agree with everything you just said there. Um, let's transition then. We're going to talk about a couple of uh, players then specifically as we've both had some uh, uh, fun interactions on uh, social media. Um, and, and, you know, just with my consumption of different uh, fan media. Yeah, th- there's yeah. there's a lot of um, discussion about Jack Amakis. It seems to be kind of... Uh, um, Extreme views. There's a lot of polarization relative to Jack Amakis within the support. Um, there's the camp that, well, he's scoring goals. That all that's all that matters. And then there's, you know, more um, uh, another set that's, you know, quite skeptical about his 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 play. Um, so, what w- what are your numbers suggest so far, and what what are your views as far as what he's been uh, able to contribute? Yes, Jakimakis is is fascinating and he's going to divide opinion. And the reason for that is that not just Jakimakis, but also Maeda and to some extent Kyogo um, are all quite have similar ways of styles of play. And and that's obviously deliberate. This is the style of striker that Tsipostakoglu wants. And what I mean by that is if you profile him against what we've become used to, which is like a, an Edward or a Dembele, who are more traditional strikers that Celtic fans are probably used to over the years. I think we many of us think, when we think of a, of a forward, we think of this multi-talented, skillful player that's going to create goals, score goals, get involved in link-up play, be, be a, an attacking all-rounder in that sense. And certainly, that Edouard was very much in that mould. Um, we talked about this um, in the 1920 uh, season, was probably his best season for Celtic. And his numbers, I think, James, you did the analysis that showed that his numbers were actually, would have him profiled as an elite performer in, at Europa League level, to be fair, not to at Champions League level, but Europa League level, an elite performer, whether he was a striker or a number 10. He would both, he'd be an elite at both. That's an all-round set of skills. He can run with the ball, he can dribble, he can take people on. He's good at drifting out wide and linking the play. He can uh, strike in the box. He can finish from a variety of angles. That's the type of striker that we're used to. Jack and Marcus isn't isn't the same as that in in in, in many ways, and and it's kind of by design. So we're going to have to suck some of some of it up in terms of with Edouard. You know, you didn't get the, necessarily the physicality, the the the, the pressing. You didn't get um, great aerial presence. Um, the, 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 you know, there was a number of, of, of things he wasn't particularly strong on, whereas Giacomakis is, is probably one of those players that's got a, quite a limited skill set. And uh, I talked about uh, Mac- James McCarthy being an example of that. Right. Um, but that skill set is actually quite consistent. If you if you model 
um, Kyogo, Maeda and Giacomakis, you get players who are excellent at pressing, excellent at regaining, excellent at turnovers for, compared to other strikers who are in the box, who take all their shots in the box, which is great, uh, who have quite a high expected goals number, which is great, who have ex- quite a high expected goals per shot, which is also great, but but probably are contributing very little in terms of expected assists, you know, chances created, uh, linking the play, anything outside of that, that skill set. So that's going to divide opinion, as I said. Um, so if you profile Giacomacus versus um, Eduard, for example, which I've, I've just done, and that will be on a Celtic Way article coming out probably this evening or, or maybe tomorrow, um, they'll, they'll, they'll look very different. Um, and is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's just different. And, and actually, it's what Postacoglu wants from his strikers. And so let's take, let's go back to the Dundee United game. Why did I have Giacomacus as my player of the match? Well, you know, he scored two goals and you might think the goals look lucky, but to be in that position for that second goal, to be optimistic enough to think if the goalkeeper does happen to drop the ball or there is a bobble, then I'm going to be the first one in there. That's brilliant. I love that in a striker. And the second one is a phenomenally good finish, right? It might have looked like, oh, did he even get a touch? It's an incredibly good finish. Anyone who's played striker will, will know this. But that was one of six shots that he had in the game, right? Uh, and, and they were all inside the box. And, you know, the, he, he, had, he had the highest expected goals at 1.4. Um, he also, uh, if you look at he had zero, he created zero chances, had one pack pass <laughs> and, and zero dribbles. So that's what I'm saying. You're not going to see some of these eye-catching contributions that you were used to seeing from the type of striker that Eduard is. Um the other thing was he was involved in 14 duels. Now, the only player on the pitch that had more than that was Starfelt. And uh, again, just as an aside, interesting debate on Starfelt going on for many reasons. He does get involved in a lot of duels, mainly because I think teams target him. So he actually is involved in a lot more aerial duels than Carter Vickers because people are lumping the ball on top of his head. But So Starfelt had 19 duels. Um, Giacomacus was next on 14. So, you know, his work rate in terms of his pressing, he's probably not as speedy or effective as Maeda um, in terms of ability to nick the ball. Um, he doesn't have that lovely thing that O'Reilly's got that people a lot of people don't notice, who wins the ball back without you even realising it. He burgles it off people just through right. because his 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 brain foot coordination is so fast. Giacomacus is a bit more of a... He just runs around bashing into people. If you watch the game, it's hilarious, Giacomacus. I mean, he's actually endearing. Uh, if you watch the game against Dundee United, there were occasions when it looked like he was a baby elephant on a beach trying to juggle a ball that was blowing about on a very windy day. It was just hilarious. You trying to watch him try to control the ball outside the ball. Every single goal he scored with Celtic has been a one-touch finish. But ask him to control a ball, turn, and then do something. Three touches. He's all over the place. He can't do it. He hasn't got the motor skills to do it. But you you get me, put him in the box, and you flash the ball across goal, then he, he does wonderful things. So he's, a, he's an incredibly complicated player, incredibly endearing player, but uh, uh, but I think it's going to be incredibly useful. It's already been incredibly useless, useful. If you'd, if you'd said that your third choice... And 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 and, and I've, if it was me, I'd have a badder in front of him as a striker. In many respects, he's going to already score you nine goals. And and and, and this is where we're a little thing on stats and 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 a little point that's really important. I need to labour a little bit is 
when we talk about stats, we generally talk about all stats in relation to a per 90 minute average. And the reason for that is because, especially these days where there's five substitutions in the game, a lot of play, half the players on the team won't play 90 minutes in a game. So if you've scored um, you know, three goals, but you've only been on the pitch 20 minutes, you know, you've got a better scoring rate than someone that's been on the pitch for three full games and scored three goals, right? So Giacomacchus, if you look at the stats on Sky Sports, or whatever, it says 29 appearances, nine goals. And you sort of think, well, I'd expect a Celtic striker to at least be doing one in two. So that's okay, but it's not great. Right. But actually, if you add up the number of minutes that he's played, it comes to just over 11 matches. So in just over 11 matches worth of minutes, he scored nine goals. So that's pretty impressive, right? So he's, he's actually nearer a goal, a goal, a game, when you think about the game as being a completed 90-minute match. So for all those reasons, really pleased with him. Uh, he's going to frustrate. He's going to annoy. He's, he, people are going to hate, hate certain aspects of his play. But because he's in a coherent system and because he's doing the job the manager's asking him to do and because he's doing that job really effectively, I think I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take the opposite view. Um, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> part, 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 partly from a production perspective, meaning that to, so we can have some back and forth here. But I, 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 um, I don't have a, a negative take. I think it's more of a, um, as I, I've been talking about in recent weeks, and I, I wrote a piece about this uh, concept this this week in the Celtic way is uh, thinking about this from an attribution perspective, meaning that how much is system based, you know, how much is being derived. I mean, if you just take any kind of striker of this profile, so a striker that um, you know maybe isn't the best in those other components of play, as you um, I think uh, adeptly documented. Um, but is really good at one touch finishing. I mean, uh, that seems to be his superpower, right? Yeah. If he has a superpower, that seems like a bot, superpower is like, you know, getting into the box, into good locations, you know, right time, right place guy, you know, that's his superpower. Um, so I, I, I think that, um, you know, how much of that is due to the quote unquote superpower, how much of it's just, he's competent in that way. And that because of the system and the league that we play in and the opposition that, you know, if you put another guy who's like him in that position, he's going to perform about the same. Uh, so what I did, again, I, I just did it out of uh, uh, curiosity. So I've looked at all of the minutes. Now, again, this is all league minutes. So I didn't do um, cup games or or um, European matches because um, I I. I I don't have all that going back historically in stats bomb. So, um, so basically what I did is I compared, uh, a Jetty's full, uh, Celtic career in the league and it's about, it's just under 14 games. So to your point, it's just under, you know, it's like 13.8, 90 minute increments. Um, and they line up remarkably similar with what Jackamacus has done in the league so far. And it's basically, you know, roughly the same XG, roughly the same, um, goal scored, uh, you know, they're both pretty close in their XG versus their, versus their goal scored. Um, and pretty much in all other phases of play, you know, something like OBV, which we've, we've talked about in the past and we can talk about it some more here is, is they have negative value in OBV for passing. They have negative value in defensive actions. Um, so for example, neither one of them can defend dribblers. Right. So they basically get bought, you know, they're, so they're pressing, they're trying really hard, 
like I wouldn't say that all the time with this Jetty in the past, but when he did under Ange for the most part, I'll give him the credit. You know, that's how he pulled his hamstring against Real Betis. I mean, he was busting, <laughs> right? actually trying, yeah. right? He was actually trying, <laughs> he was busting his ass. Uh, but neither one of them can, you know, have shown uh, the ability again, limited sample size to, to defend um, center backs bypassing them with dribble. They, they, like they're useless. Like I, Jack Amakis, I think has only defended like 11% of dribbles. So it's not a huge number, but you know, again, that meets the eye test too, right? You're, you're discussing, you know, kind of like the elephant running around. So, you know, you know so it, it's that issue of, um, and we'll talk about this when we get to the Starfelt discussion next. Um, uh, I'll follow up because it's the same concept is, um, you know, the and system defends from the front. We've talked about that in the past. Um, and against a team like Dundee United, you know, so this is why we keep seeing, I think, a major issue is the optimization of our system relative to the players and that certain players can get away with their deficiencies against most of our domestic competition. And then when we get into Europe, it just turns into a debacle. You know, if, you, if we basically see Alkmaar up, Odo glimped up in quality this season, you know, it just hasn't worked from a defending perspective specifically, right? That's been the issue. Um, and I think, you know, Giacomacus, Ajeti, that profile of a striker because of their deficiencies. And I agree with you. Um, the reliance on the Edward skill set is nowhere near the same, but I think there has to be a basic level of proficiency, particularly when it comes to pressing, I think. Um, and, and so that's my concern, you know, against Livy, against uh you know any of these teams that are going to bunker absolutely i think he can play a role and and actually a really productive one um i just i i worry that uh you know how that as i say all the time scales how does that scale against better competition relative to how we're going to play and then it comes back to okay you know do you want a special a specialist on the team for uh ross county at home do you need that as a squad player versus depth in the profile that you need. Right. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like an Abad yeah. in that role or that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 My, my, Ido would provide you with more, a more Europe, Europa league level quality of, you know, pressing and counter pressing. I mean, you know, his counter, his counter pressing against Livingston was, was just out of this world. Uh, it was, it was brilliant. Jackamakers will definitely do his best, but probably not as effectively. But but still, the evidence is this is a player who, if used properly, you can get quite spectacular results out of. Because this is a guy who, you know, in in in, in for one Super League team in Greece. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 16, 15 goals in 60-odd games. AK Athens, three goals in 48 games. And then he drifts about a bit and then suddenly goes to a really poor Dutch team that got relegated, 29 goals in 33 games, because they used him in a very specific way that got the best out of him. They were flashing balls across the box. He was told not to not to uh, you know move from, from the width of the six-yard box. And, and hey, presto. And, and I think Postecoglou was using him similarly in a very effective way. And that, you know, that is, that, that is making the best use of of your resources uh, to do that, I think the I think the point about defending, um, I wouldn't necessarily layer into a conversation about Jackamakis. It's a to me that's a team dynamics question, and and if anything, Jackamakis is the least important link in that in that chain. He is important, and all the stri- strikers are important to the way possibly plays from a defensive perspective. But I I, 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 I think that's a, a, a wider debate rather than pinning it on Agreed. on him. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so I, I actually mostly agree with what you just said, meaning that uh, this is where I I, I, I don't really have, uh, I haven't made up my mind, meaning that, as I call it, like a specialist. You know what I mean? Because we, we do play a lot of those kinds of games. So to have that skill set as an option, I, I guess my broader point is I don't think there's a lot that's necessarily special about him, meaning that I suspect had a Jetty played those same games and had those same opportunities, um, Pretty close is all I'm I'm saying, and 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 yeah. you know, there's a lot of those guys out there. Meaning that I, I I think there's a lot of guys who aren't that fast, who aren't that skilled on the ball, who are probably better one touch type players. They're they're easier I think to come by, and quite frankly cheaper as a result, uh, which is why we got them for the price that we did relative to somebody that's got more of a holistic skill set. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you, you know, you could argue if you put Liam Boyce on the Celtic team and asked him I, to be, you'd probably I, get, you'd probably get very similar uh, results. Uh, he, he, that's exactly my point, right. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, and you that know that Liam Boyce isn't going to perform well against, uh, you know, I don't know, Roma or, or uh, PSV or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's really, really the broader point. Um, well, let, but, let's but, move. But, but, sorry, just, but. Yep. Potentially, potentially he's the fourth choice striker. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 I agree. So that that's the issue is um where where we'll see here. And that's this is one of those interesting questions. Um and and you know, 
Uh, so this introduces this, this, the, the debate that you get, which is the guy scored a lot. He, you know, he's been productive again, all good, all to his credit. I mean, this, none of this is being critical of him. Um, it's a question of, okay, if he gets dropped, given how well he's done going into, you know, let's say the potential three derbies next month uh, in three, you know, huge games and he doesn't play, I, you know, there's going to be an element of people that if it doesn't work out great are going to be <laughs> probably very critical as a result. And, you know, I, I, I just follow the view that to your point, he's really should be fourth choice um, and used as kind of a specialist potentially. Um, and I think we'll get more clarity on that as we, I've already said, uh, as the options expand, uh, as, as people come back fit here. Um, so let's move on to the, the Starfelt discussion. Cause this is my favorite one of the season, um, <laughs> from an analytics perspective, yeah, uh, yeah. because I, I think there's a lot here. I, I from, from a nerd perspective, I think there's a lot here. There and, is. um, I, I think it's, to me, it's a, probably the, uh, the preeminent example of system versus player. Yes, um, agreed, agreed, agreed. So if I, if I let me throw out one data point that I did. I did my homework on this. Um, so StatsBomb has the pitch uh, broken out, and there's a lot of different um, platforms that do this. It's, I, th I think they call it the 14 zones, and uh, it was just the most common one. And you may even do that with your your data capture. I don't know if you do. I Alan. don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Simply yeah. not enough enough hours in the day. Well, that's fair, fair <laughs> enough. I didn't know how many yeah. of you were yeah. there. Um, yeah. But they, so they have it broken up in a different way, and and they have basically uh, like five zones inside the 18 yard hmm. area, right? Uh, line. I mean, obviously, it doesn't go. It goes the width of the pitch. So there's two zones that are outside the. Um, uh, uh, the 18 yard box. And, uh, so what they have every, every action is, is mapped in all of these different zones. So what I did is just out of curiosity, I'm like, okay, well, let me look at, um, the amount of defensive activity that's taking place in these different zones. Cause to me, that's a lot about system, right? So we've talked about the uh, defending from the front, the aggressiveness, we play this high line, you know, basically we're trying to keep pressure on in, in, in uh, the opposition half. Um, and I, I was actually surprised with the degree. So that central middle box um, is, uh, you know, the way I measured it to tr try to create some consistency across seasons is relative to league average. So how many times does Celtic have one of these defensive actions in that zone relative to league average each season? So this season, we're 45 percent of, of league average, which, again, just as a raw number, that's abstract you know, what does that even mean? Well, last season we were 67% of, of league average. Um, uh, two years ago, we were 77% of league average. Um, so those, those kind of the, the, the Lennon years. Um, and then uh, Rogers last season, you know, the hybrid season, we were again down at kind of like 50% of, of league average. So to me, that tells you we're not having to do a lot of defending in a lot of these places. And again, to me, that has a lot to do with that has nothing to do with individual statistics. That's team level um, metrics. And if you look at the overall numbers, again, we're not having to do a lot of defending back there. And to me, that has a lot more to do with system that mm -hmm. has, a, you know, he, th these guys aren't being called out to do a whole lot um, to their credit. I mean, that, that, that this is the plan I and mean, we don't want them defending in that area. That's where people score the most goals from. Uh, 
and and that's reflected in the the stats from the, a, a team basis. Meaning that, I mean, the amount of XG that we're conceding, particularly from open play, is, is microscopic. Like it's yeah. it's it's unsustainably so. Yeah. Um. And and so, I, I think what happens is you get, um, understandably, kind of like the conversation with Jack Amakis, How much of its system? How much of it is player? Right. So Starfelt has not made a lot of mistakes recently. Right. To his credit, he's improved mm-hmm. in that regard. He's been yep. utilized a little different. Right. He's the, he's been the center back that's a little farther forward, whereas uh, uh, Carter Vickers has been dropped back a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, relatively speaking. Um, and so there just isn't a lot that can go wrong because the system's working. We're pl- we're playing inferior opposition adult you know, threaten us that much and they can't handle what we're throwing at them because we have such a good manager and it all is wonderful. And again, if you, you, you go back to the two games against Bodo Glimp, things didn't look as great <laughs> because we were, yeah. we were, it was getting stress tested by a level of opposition that kind of, you know, as so I go back to my Jenga tower analogy mm-hmm. that everyone hates, which is, you know, uh, the resistance of the system is really only as good as its weakest point and then things start to crumble. And, and when we get stress tested at a, at a higher level, that continues to be my concern. So to me, the fact that he's had a form of, you know, a patch of good performance relative to his prior performance um, levels to me, it's, you know, I, I don't uh, deduce it as some kind of, um, you know, individual thing. It, it's how much of this is system yeah, how much of yeah, it is yeah. so so the system's improved therefore by default starfield and everybody else's everybody's going to look better exactly look better. yeah uh, but but it has to be said that starfield probably has more work to do in fact statistically he does have more work to Absolutely. do than Dr. Vickers in that because, forward because, role yeah, yeah but, well well not just the forward role but because um you know if we're being honest starfield and taylor are probably the two weakest players in the team and that, and therefore, they're, and they're playing next to each other. So so, yeah. so oppos, opposition naturally uh, targets targets that part of the the pitch, uh, especially with long balls. Taylor's Taylor's more prone to be caught upfield. Has got the has got inferior recovery speed. So it's it's a it's, it's not just the fact that oh he's, it's not just saying oh Taylor's not a good footballer. It's actually saying you know there's more likely to be a weakness or a gap on that side of the pitch. So yeah. that that tend, that will tend to exacerbate that that will kind of disrupt the numbers because there'll be higher volume uh, but also you're going to get more errors and you're going to get more um uh, you know um opposition progression on that side because that's that's where they're playing the ball all the time right so so it complicates things i do think i do feel that starfelt has broken my model okay so my model uh, for assessing central defenders is is relatively simple but has actually a lot of data in it uh, which is you you compare the what's called defensive action success rate, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it looks at all defensive actions and basically says, did you were you, were you successful? Did you win the ball or did you or did you win the challenge or not? And then possession, uh, the number of possessions won from defensive actions. So that's not that's a case of you may have won the header, but they they got the ball back. So that that would kind of go against you in that sense. Whereas on the defensive action success rate, if you won the header, it doesn't matter where the ball went, you've won right. the header. Okay, right. so you look at both of those things. So, how, how how effective are you being in your defensive action? So that speaks to decision making and and positioning and all that sort of thing. And then possession one it, 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 it speaks to you know how effective was it? Because you don't want defensive actions resulting in giving the ball away because it probably means you're losing possession uh, in in the, in your final third in your defensive third. 
no when you when you map those two things for central defenders what you get is something that i would suggest meets most people's eye test so in the top right the good corner you get virgil van dyke you get christopher Iyer, you get Benkovic and you get Julian. <laughs> you know, the, I don't think anyone would disagree. Those are probably the preeminent centre halves that Celtic have had over recent years. In the sad little corner in the bottom left, uh, you get Ambrose, you get Jack Hendry, and you get Starfelt. Uh, and then in the middle, it's called the sort of middle class of central defenders, is everyone else that we've had over the years, the likes of Boyata, Samunovic, um, you know, even Welsh to some extent pretty steady central defenders they're not particularly spectacular they're not they're not particularly awful so so it's a model that i think works very well starfelt might be the one that breaks it so because he's he he his his defensive data is not good it really isn't you'd be looking at that chart thinking my god you know he's worse than jack henry in that respect mainly because of his relative stature the combination of he's not particularly tall he loses a lot of aerial duels in comparative terms, and the style of his defending is very aggressive, meaning he tries to win challenges he can't. He gets taken under the ball too easily because he gets drawn to physical contact rather than concentrating on the ball. And I think they all exacerbate, and that also exacerbates his error rate. And his error rate is up there, was up there when I wrote the article in January uh, in F.E. Ambrose territory. That's how many personal errors he was making. Now, he's actually back down into an, what I'd call an acceptable zone. So kudos to him. But that, as you to your point, that could be because the system's stronger. It's more robust around him. and Because he's still making errors. Think about that moment against Dundee United when he thought the ball was going to run out. And I think I can't remember who it was, Niskanen or Clark or somebody, wrestled the ball from him, went into the box, and it was ugly and it was messy. And, and, he, and, and everybody fell over and, and they gave a goal <laughs> kick. And it was the right decision. But right, this, right. This, but this is it with Starfell. I'm it's, laughing because that that was the description of that game to me. Just ugly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this happens a lot with Starfell. Yeah. He gets involved in horrible situations. He tangles with players. He, he, he doesn't. I don't like. I don't like the way he looks. The way he plays. He looks ungainly. His movement is inefficient. Watch him pass the ball. He, he, if he, if you ever watch him turn and pass the ball. It's like it's like he, someone's given him an electric shock. He's like this. His body's all over the place. His legs are moving. He's the absolute opposite of Carter Vickers, who's efficient, minimal body movement. He, he, he doesn't he doesn't move unless he has to. He's, he's decisive. Starfield is, is completely different to that. Now, that's that's a bias of mine. Okay, I'll, I'll be very open about that. So let's get back to the data. The data is conflicting. It still says he's one of the poorest defenders we've had in the last six or seven years. Okay. Um, but he's now in a stronger system. So I think there's something there's something to be found in the data that I've not found yet that shows that he is adding a value above what I have traditionally measured centre-backs using. Yeah. And I'm buggered if I can find it. Yeah, so... <laughs> because I because it's, it's not like he's pinging 50-yard ball, through balls because he, he definitely doesn't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what so is I've, it? I, I, have a th- I have a theory. Um, <laughs> so again, it, 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 and I've done a little bit of work on this. I might write something on it. Is um, So I, I've, I've talked about the concept before in a prior show of a statistical compiler, right? So this is someone who, you know, historically, and let's say baseball is someone who makes the Hall of Fame uh, because they played long enough that they pile up enough numbers yeah, yeah. that everyone's just like, wow, he had 3,000 hits or he had, you know. Yeah. 
uh, 4,000 strikeouts for a pitcher, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, yeah, David, David Beckham would be a good example in football. Exactly. Um, so a question I, I, what I've tried to do in thinking about um, this attribution concept is how, between how much is system and how much is player. To me, a, a player who's thriving in the system should um, outperform their volume statistics. Right. So let me explain what I mean by that. So uh, and this is where and again, I, I want to couch this by and I've said this before. Uh, none of these models are perfect or, or even um, great at this point or even really good because of the, the what they're not capturing in games. We've talked about this as far as, you know, off the ball and tracking data and, and, and the limitations of event data. So, um, you know, that's the usual caveat. Um, but one of the reasons why I've spent so much time in analyzing this new metric from StatsBomb on, on um, ball value um, is because it introduces the idea of weighting good and bad, right? So we, by definition, we're all uh, subject to this confirmation bias, right? So you're, you've got this bias because of his arms flailing about. And when, when one of those bad passes it takes place as a result, that's mentally going to stick with you more than when he, when he does make that nice line splitter that, you know, gets into the half space and ends up creating a chance. And to hit, uh, I, I, I think he has made tremendous strides in getting better at his passing. Like I, uh, you know, for me, he's like Joe Hart this season, where a, as a human being, I really root for him. Like I can see how much they are buying in and working hard to improve, trying to do what the manager is instructing them to do within yeah. this system. Right. So I, I, you know, I have tremendous appreciation for the commitment and the improvements that they've made. Um, but they're, they're, you know, people are limited. We all have our limitations and that what this, oh, on ball, on ball value or OBV metric does is it says, okay, well, again, it's a model. It's not perfect, but when he makes a mistake, what do we, how do we weight these things? So you pile up the good with the bad and you net it out in like a plus or minus number. Mm -hmm. um, he has a negative defensive action OBV for this year. That is 30th out of 32 center backs in the league. Uh, for the season who have played, I think I set the at 1500 minutes. Hmm. Okay. To me, that is unacceptable for a Celtic center back to be that low in any metric. Yeah. Okay. So that, that weights it out. Uh, his passing is a compiler statistic in my judgment, meaning that he is one of the top passing OBVs in the league for a center back. But most of that's because he just passes the ball a lot. It's a volume yeah. issue. Yeah, and he's got he's got he's got great packing numbers um, in terms of um, he has a lot of packing passes, but the right. average packing score per pass is relatively low. Exactly. They're, they're, so that so right. what that means in English is they're yeah. low risk passes. He's executing a lot of low risk passes, which is not a bad thing for a centre back. But let's be honest about what it is. <laughs> exactly. So, right. So this is the, you know, the old uh, lies, damn lies and statistics, right? Hmm. So, um, so he has this high um, passing OBV. But again, what I've done is I adjust all of these based off of volume. So you take the number of their passes and you divide it into the passing OBV. And you, to your point, it's like your impact score, your average impact score per uh, pack pass that you do. And what does that come out? Again, he comes out way down in in the league as far as that. Well, I'll call it uh, an efficiency metric. 
right? How efficient are you? And what does that mean? Well, if you took a guy like um, Frimpong and looked at his dribble and carrying metric, yes, he was high in volume because he's he was Jeremy freaking Frimpong. You know what I mean? He's playing for Celtic and he's lightning fast. He's doing the same thing or similar things in the Bundesliga, right? So he's I got an outlier skill. Not only was he doing volume, the the average was, you know, top of the league too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's this is again, you see with Rogic. Rogic is yes, because he plays midfield at Celtic, his volume of passes is very high for the league, but his average uh, pass OBV per pass is way higher than his volume rank. And that to me speaks to quality over quantity. Right. So that's what I've, I've started to do with uh, these metrics is to look at not only volume, but um, efficiency and, and, try and um kind of delineate because to me that so, speaks so, to just, just, how just much so, how much is system versus how much is the guys good in the system yeah so the, the, just just so people just really kind of labor the point maybe but just to make this real if we look at the packing stats for carter vicker and starfelt starfelt's got slightly more pack passes completely there's a number of passes that take opponents out of the game he's 13.4 Carter Vickers is 13.1, so they're almost the same. But if you look at the packing score, so the value of the players that you've taken out the game, to your point, so this, this would be the this would be synonymous with this OBV to some extent for passing. They're, they're going to correlate, yep. They're going to correlate. Yep. Yep. Whereas Starfelt is packing score average per 90 minutes is 52. Uh, Carter Vickers is 64, right? So, so same volume of, of events, Carter Vickers are far more valuable. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what that, that's what we mean. I hope that makes sense to people. Yeah, and, and that's basically if you look at um, Carter Vickers' OBV statistics relative to um, uh, Starfelt, you, you, you get higher quality in per unit of volume, right? Mm -hmm. So he's yeah. producing better quality with what he's doing. So to yeah. me, what that suggests is because again, their utilization has shifted a little bit, as uh, as I mentioned, meaning that uh, earlier in the season they kind of had dropped Starfelt back a little more, and it was it was uh, CCV that was maybe a little farther forward, uh, and that seems to have kind of dropped. And and because of that, you've actually uh, in the data you've seen some of um, value, meaning the volume of what Carter Vickers is doing has dropped a little bit because he's not the one jumping in like Carter Vickers or like uh, Starfeld is now to kind of keep that pressure on as, as much. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's that efficiency metric. And, and um, to me, it's stark. So again, if you put, um, you know, uh, most center backs into the system, I think as long as they're reasonably proficient, I think they're going to produce at a level that's comparable to what Starfeld is. Uh, with a lot of potential upside, to your point, aerially, and again that that zonal stuff that I was talking about earlier, those five zones in the back, uh, you know, it the, the numbers are crazy how much people are targeting our back left, yeah, uh, particularly aerially. Um, so the, sorry, you know, sorry, James, I just want to respond to a couple of the comments that are along the lines of, you know, yeah. um, oh, Starfield's basically defeated the stats because you, you can't find a reason why he's good, or yeah. it's just confirmation bias. Let me try and explain. Again, the problem. Sorry, because I'm not. Maybe not. I don't think I've articulated this very well. I want. Okay, this is this is the problem statement. Okay, I'll be trying as clear as I possibly can be. I'm I'm sitting here wanting to write the article about how good Carl Stalfer is. Okay, uh, I have got 131 data points on every single player going back six years, and I can promise you that for all of those players at every single position, 
I can I can write a compelling story about why they're either good, bad, or indifferent because those data points will at some point reveal that true player, right? Starfelt <laughs> is the is is a is some kind of outlier in that I completely get that people say you know he's, he played well and, and and I like him and all this sort of uh, subjective stuff. There is nothing I can find in the data that supports him being a top a top Celtic a top Celtic centre back compared to the peers. I can't even say he's a he's as good as Samunovic or Boyata. Not, I can't find anything. All right, so, okay. so and that's that's the problem. I, it's not confirm, That's not confirmation. I want like my, my bias is I want to find that story. I want to find that data, and and it just isn't there. Well, and th- this is where I, I I keep coming back to the idea of um, how good. And this is the article I wrote this week. Is I, I think as as glowing as people are about Ange right now, and justifiably so. Um, with my one caveat, because I'm, you know, I'm a jerk. I have to throw in the one caveat. With we, we've talked about extensively relative to uh, the, some of the management around uh, injury risks, is you know he's been really, really good. I still think he's been under um, attributed as far as how good the system is, how good the management is relative to the system, um, and I think that that understandably is filtering down to people's perceptions of certain players because of how strong the system is. And, and one of the, the analytical reasons I make this case, and, and I think the evidence suggests uh, that this theory has some plausibility potentially, is the disparity in defensive record against Bodo Glimt, Alkmaar, and up versus our domestic domination, right? Yep. We, we, we talked about... so. Our, our concession of, let's say, XG and, and these other metrics this, this, this season in Europe at that level uh, and throw in the Rangers games if you want to include them in that kind of strata of, of opposition and in that kind of, you know, um, let's say better than Cluj uh, uh, level. So you're talking Michelin, you're talking Alkmaar, you're talking obviously the, the big five league teams. Um, the, the XG conceded is an, is similar to what we conceded in the Champions League group in Rogers' first season, right? And the second, and that was against the PSGs, the Barcelonas, the Man Cities, right? That that absolute yeah, highest so, level of quality. So, um, so, so, so it's, listen, listen, I get, I get all that, right? And 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 you're right to point it out. And and we're here, part of our kind of raison d'être is to be open and honest about not just the things that are great, but to say, you know, here's where things can still improve. But I do think, you know, has another way of looking at the same the same data would be to say, has has Postacoglu evidence that he can organize and construct uh, a, a squad and a system that is coherent to win games domestically? And the answer looks like it's going to be a and and the fact that we look like we're absolutely horrible to play against, it must be it looks it, we're, we're making teams look so frustrated. Teams are running out of out of energy. Nothing's been created in the last twenty minutes of the game. Subs are making no difference, right? That's all the, because of the effectiveness of the system and having a bigger squad and a coherent squad now. So has Postecoglou done that? Yes, he has. Is that does he deserve credit for that? Yes, he absolutely does. Is everything you said about the comparative performances in Europe true? Yes, they are. So both of those things are true at the same time. What has been the priority for him this season? I would suggest it's, it's 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 reasserting that domestic dominance, as we saw with. Let's be frank here: we threw in the towel <laughs> against Bodo Glimt with that selection in the second leg, right? So, 
Do we think that Postacoglu uh, is the man that can improve Celtic's performances in Europe? The evidence to me says yes. I think he is. Well, so this this is the, ultimately my conclusion is hmm. that the the the, the what's um, I'll call it the delta. What shifts this from really unprecedented defensive dominance domestically so far, right? Just choking out chance creation from opposition. Uh, again, to the point where I mean, I'm not sure we can get it much lower. Right, it's there's certain limitations just from luck and randomness. Well, it's literally just free kicks and corners now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous how how little that we're conceding in a positive way. At the same time, having probably our worst season in Europe, as long as far back as we have, you know, uh, XG type of data for, how can those things happen at the same time? And me say that Ange, you know, is probably. Um, getting less credit than he deserves relative to the system. It's because the players don't fit the system in an optimized way. That's why you can have this huge swing. Yeah. Right? So, it's, so it's, and, it's a great, it's a great system. And the system is, is actually so good. Uh, and so well practiced now, even, even though it's been less than a year that you can put in players like the start level of Starfelt and Taylor and still be successful is what you're saying. Exactly. If you actually, if you actually had, but you need optimal players to perform better in Europe, and, and, and yeah. I think, and I think we all realize that, right? I think we all get that. Well, yeah. I, I, I hope, <laughs> right? I so I, I, I guess I, I I'm uh, skeptical on that, meaning that I, all of the discussions you get relative to some of these individual players, and you say, you know, they're, they're forming a great partnership at center back. Well, then, you know, why did we have the worst European record and chance concession uh, in 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 the last five, six, seven years, right? So there, there's this is, you know, the, the narrative that I've come up with as far as how do you explain some of these extremes at the same time? Um, and, I, and I think that the linchpin is that optimization. How, how do we get players like we have with certain players? You know, and, and again, this is we've talked about endlessly about it's going to take multiple windows and that, you know, the club hasn't had the infrastructure relative to recruiting and, and you know, the potential interference of the board and decision-making, all of these things that have been problems for many years, um, that's going to be the key. It's going to have, it's going to be the resources and then optimizing. Cause I do think we have the manager. We have the manager to be able to get us to that level. It's going to be getting the players in yeah. um, because it, this is what I've talked about, you know, since you and I first uh, met a, a few years ago is um you know, we, we should be dominating more domestically, mm -hmm. right? As crazy as that sounds after winning yeah. nine titles uh, in a row and four uh, trebles. And I, know we're, the, I know we're way over, but I suspect that's to do with there's only a certain, you, you almost, you can't get, it's not like football, it's not like football manager where you can go through the season literally winning every game. Like you know, it's not about winning. It's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's never going to be that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and we're, what we're starting in that, what Ange has done is said, okay, with the resources that we have relative to our domestic competition, we should be dominating them more. And he's competent, if not better than competent. And he's stretching that out to the point mm -hmm. where it really should be uh, with really good management. And that we've had such a long period of time when, you know, mediocrity was elevated to excellence because of the structural divide, not so much, you know, that people were doing necessarily a great job. Um, so that's the exciting part is we, I, I think, yeah. you know, the, the biggest variable in this is getting someone who's really, really good at what they're doing. 
Um, and I think, you know, he, he, he definitely is that. So yeah, you're, you're right. We, we've gone over time here. Uh, let's just quick, any, uh, quick, quick thoughts on, on Ross County as we head into the weekend. No, I just can't, can't wait for the game. Uh, excited to see the lineup, who we play. Um, it will be a tough game. Ross County, I think, have improved, you know, much as we, I, again. We don't like Mark McKay for lots of reasons. Uh, he's he's uh, he's he's has done a great job with them, and they have had had good results. And they they are a difficult difficult team to play against. Again, they've won their last three league games, by the way. And in fact, they've only lost one league game out of their last uh, nine, eight or nine, I think. So you know, this isn't going to be a straightforward game. It, it will be a tough game. Yeah, there there are teams that I've said. You know, I don't really have much concern. Dundee United being one of them, meaning that I haven't had that much concern, even though some of the results haven't been great uh, with the draws earlier in the season. Um, and, I'm, and when I say don't have concern relative to performance levels, right? So the chance creation, that kind of thing. I, I get nervous with Ross County um, just because they do have some of that athleticism that you know, a Dundee United doesn't I mean it's just flat out speed. They have a couple of guys that have the kind of speed and athleticism um, that we don't see necessarily against a Dundee or Dundee United. And I, I think that's where they've given some opponents real problems is some of that speed that they have. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, still supremely confident. Um, it's just a question of, you know, we talk about variance. Uh, I suspect that could be a bigger issue, a bigger threat with them, um, because they could make some more of some of these transitions that we've been having issues with just because of the speed. Um, and, and that could give us a little bit more of a headache. Yeah. But They've been smart in, in the market and, and they've fallen yeah. upon three or four players at, all at the same time. Yeah, probably, given their probably, resources. Probably I mean, they it's... wouldn't they wouldn't normally be at Ross County. And they're, you know, the, the likes of Charles Cook and Hungbo and, you know, players like that. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at some of their attacking players, it's like, I mean, they, they put uh, several other teams with a lot more resources <laughs> in the league to shame, I mean, uh, to their credit. So I I, uh, I suspect it'll be an entertaining game, more, more so than what we've seen recently, because I, I think they'll, they'll give us a little bit more of a, a competition and, um, you know, ho- hopefully that, that doesn't result in anything bad. But um, from an entertainment perspective, I think we'll see more out of them than we have in, in some of the opposition recently. Um, okay, well, we've gone uh, six minutes over. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, for watching this thanks week. Thanks for comments, yeah. Yeah, thanks for comments. Uh, thanks for hanging in there with my amateur start. Uh, Alan, have a good uh, weekend. And uh, have, if you're out there in the, in the ether. Uh, he'll be there. He's, he's watching the boys uh, at the weekend. Yes, Lucky yes. Guy. Yep. So everybody enjoy uh, the rest of your St. Patrick's Day and uh, we'll catch you next week.